So, when was the last time you got what you deserved? When was the last time you got what you deserved? So we have um, just been through the painful process of potter training, my third daughter, Ray. And we started really well. It was fantastic, actually, the start. And I was a little bit smug about the whole situation. Um, <laughs> but we have slowly regressed. And the deed is not necessarily being done in the right place. But... <laughs> It seems to me that the reward box that we have with uh, chocolate coin and um, chocolate, you know, buttons that come to her every time she does the right thing, um, seems to still be there, and she seems to even be getting a chocolate coin even if she hasn't done the deed in the right place. And her sisters are absolutely loving this because they realise too that they get to have chocolate buttons for her success, so they help themselves. And Ben and I like to help ourselves to a good chocolate button here and there too. Uh, but the point is that you know any reward-based behaviour in, in the Joneses household is not really going very well. And then it doesn't just apply to little Ray, but it applies to all my children because we have a bit of a system in our house where we have to um, you know, do some good things around the house to help out and then we get a little bit of you know, pocket money. And we put that pocket money, that, well, the girls do, Ben and I don't get that. Um, <laughs> They put their pocket money, you know, in three pots. We've got like a saving pot where they learn to save and then a, a giving one where, you know, we need to give away to people, trying to teach them about money. But the spending pot seems to be where all the money goes. Uh, and they get really excited because then we go off to Argos to spend our pennies and, you know, they bring their £3.35 and we're looking through the Argos catalogue. Although actually it's not a catalogue anymore, it's a an iPad, isn't it? And then you flick through, and then they land on things they really want. They want, you know, the latest plastic fantastic thing. Um, the latest one is a catacorn, and a catacorn, if you don't know what that is, is a cat crossed with a unicorn. And you can even get a dogacorn, which is a dog crossed as a unicorn, a dog and a unicorn makes a dog corn. Um, it was actually Beth Henriette who taught me this, wherever you are, Beth, thank you for enlightening me to these things. But anyway, the point is that it seems to me that a cat and a unicorn crossed costs a lot more money because it's two things and so it ends up being like they're standing there with their three pounds and oh my goodness it's 60 pounds to actually get the catacorn and we're thinking guys you didn't earn that money you did not earn 60 pounds you've got three pounds and all you can have is a kinder egg and then we leave uh, <laughs> but the point is my poor children they are really going to get a shock aren't they because when we come out in the big wide world and we realize what the, the world really is about you know, the motto really is that you get what you earn. You get what you earn, and they're in for a real shock because they're not seeing that at the moment. So friendships. Friendships we feel need to be earned, don't we? We need to work quite hard on our friendships. I've got about 100 WhatsApp groups that I need to keep up with, and I'm so sorry to anyone I don't reply to. Uh, but the point is, you know, we need to work hard on our friendships. We earn our friendships for them to be good. And, you know, we talk about unconditional love, but it's actually quite hard to give. And there's always this feeling with friendships, isn't there, that you're falling short, you're falling short, you're not doing the best you can to be a good friend to someone. Respect needs to be earned. You know, you may start a new job, and you've got the job, and you're so excited that you got the job because you pass the test, but then you have to earn the respect of the people there. You need to earn the respect. You need to show them that you're fantastic at the job, and you need them to believe in you, that you really can do the job, and then you start to feel the pressure. Oh my gosh, I actually have to do what I said I was going to do. Uh, success needs to be earned. Um, any first-year students here won't understand this yet, because you just all kind of mess around in your first year, but second and third year, you need to earn your degree. You actually need to work hard to get your degree. You know, first year, you just kind of sit around, you don't listen, but in second and third year, you actually have to do some work. I actually saw some students on the train yesterday gallivanting around. They probably weren't doing any work. Uh, but the point is, <laughs> if you do the work, you will be successful and you'll get your degree. And then, 
You can earn money, and money needs to be earned, doesn't it? You need to earn the money. My children don't understand that, but you need to earn the money. And, you know, you may be holding down a job, two, three jobs, actually, in, in the week just to earn money so that you can survive, so that you can pay the bills, so that you can bring food on the table. And it is exhausting, isn't it, earning that money, trying to make sure that you can get what you need, and then status needs to be earned. For those of you sitting here saying, oh, it's okay, I'm retired now, I don't need to earn any of those things, I'm okay now, I'm sitting pretty. But there's an element, isn't there, of earning your status, telling people about all the things you have done, all the things you have done to earn that status so people respect you and feel like, you know, you, do, you are worth it, you are adequate, and that can make you feel inadequate. So as adults, we really are hardwired, aren't we? That we get what we earn. We get what we earn. So what has this got to do with the reading from Mark this morning, you ask? So... Um, we are actually in, back in our series of Mark, so last week we had the bishop here, which was so, so special, and um, before that, Ben took us back into the series of Mark. So we're back into the series of Mark. Please do listen online if you've joined recently to the talks on Mark, because it's been a fantastic series. And the idea of this series is that heaven and earth were never meant to be two separate places. Heaven and earth were never meant to be two separate places. And in the Gospel of Mark, um, it's the story of basically Jesus bringing them back together again. He's bringing heaven and earth back and get together again. And, you know, everything on the earth does not look like heaven. It doesn't look like heaven, does it? There's pain, there's chaos, there's fear, there's disarray, there's disunity. But do you know what? As we read this, you know, read the Gospel of Mark, we see that Jesus is trying to recreate. He's trying to make the world beautiful again. He's, and it is emerging. And the message of Jesus is that we can belong to this new reality. We can belong to this new reality. We can become citizens of heaven. We can become citizens of heaven. So the key question Jesus is addressing in this um, morning's passage is how do we belong? How do we belong? How do we get in? And what is required from us? So I am, Francesca, you did a great job reading that. I'm going to read it a little bit again. I might not read it bit after bit, but I'd just like to get back into it so that we can remember what it said. So Mark 10, verse 13 to 27. Oh, my font's very small. So the little children and Jesus. So people were bringing the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. And then we have the rich and the kingdom of God. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. The commandments say you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud on your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away very sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his works. 
at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. With God all things are possible. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus, replied Jesus, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with the persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Good. So what is going on in this passage today? So if you were here last week, um, we were so um, honored to have Bishop Christopher here, which was so good. And um, he did a really good talk. I would suggest you listen to that online as well. But he was giving the illustration of Christianity being like standing on your head. Anyone have a go at that when they got home? But this passage this morning is really similar. So it's basically the example of upside downness of the kingdom of God. It's the upside downness of, of the heaven Jesus is bringing to earth. It doesn't make sense. It's not like the world. It is very much um, upside down to them. So what is Jesus actually saying about belonging? Well, what he's saying about belonging is totally unexpected, totally unexpected. So we have the children um, who in first century Judea, um, Jewish kind of context, Children were pretty worthless. Children had no status. They, um, you know, didn't really have any credentials. They weren't really able to have any rights or status. And they really only mattered when they grew up. And the disciples' reaction to the children says it all, doesn't it? So when the disciples see the children, they try to keep the children from Jesus. Don't go to Jesus. There's no honor spent with, you know, the, Jesus wasn't going to have any honor spending time with children. But the point is, they didn't, really take, they didn't really get what it takes to belong. That's kind of how children were seen in that context. But then we have the rich man. And, you know, he has wealth and he has intelligence and he has status. And he seems to, you know, really know his commandments. And he even says to Jesus, but I've kept them since I was a boy. You know, he, he's really got it all together. So, you know, you would think that, you know, he really did have what it took to belong. You would think that he'd be all right. So you can imagine the disciples' surprise when Jesus says in verse 14, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's quite a strong statement. So what is Jesus trying to teach us here about what um, we need to belong to the kingdom of God? Well, when I think of belonging, you know, I think of it being like being part of a club. So, you know, you need to bring certain things to belong to this club. You need to have certain credentials. You may need to have gone through some kind of initiation process to belong, um, that kind of thing. And this is clearly what the rich man is kind of thinking, isn't he, when he arrives? Because he's thinking, yeah, you know, tell me, what do I actually need to belong to this Jesus club? Because Jesus club, you know, looks really fun. And, and Jesus talk, is talking about heaven on earth. So that's a pretty cool club to be a part of. And the rich man is thinking, I want to be a part of that. What can I bring to this situation? And he's probably thinking, 
I've got quite a lot to bring to this party. You know, I'm rich, I'm clever, I've kept the commandments. I'm good, I'm really good. And he's been good all his life and he's clearly said that to Jesus. And all of this has clearly meant that he's probably quite bright and intelligent, you know, and he probably has status in the community. People probably know him. They say, oh, hey, rich man, we know you. You're welcome, you know, you're always part of the club. You know, and he would absolutely love to be part of this Jesus club because it looks really fun. Now, I imagine, you know, when he asks Jesus, what do I need to belong? He's probably thinking in the back of his head, I've got this. I know exactly, I know exactly what I need to bring. I know that I'm going to get in. He's probably thinking that in the back of his head, maybe. Um, you know, because in every other area of his life, he's managed to, you know, to earn that, to get what he needs. But yet Jesus says, doesn't he, there is one thing he lacks. But we'll come back to that in a minute. So what about the kids? What do the kids bring to the party? So they don't have any money. They don't have any status. Their pockets are most definitely empty. And um, I can imagine, you know, they've probably got some sticks and stones in there from where they've been playing outside. And they just rock up, don't they? And they're not particularly important, as we understand from that Jewish context. They're not seen um, to be important. But, you know, they arrive and they're thinking to them, you know, they're not thinking to themselves, oh, I need to do certain things to get in here. They don't even know that they need to do certain things. But yet... Jesus welcomes them. Jesus welcomes them in, and he doesn't just welcome them in. He tells everyone else to be like them. He tells everybody else in the crowd to be like them. So what is the point? What point is Jesus trying to make here? He's trying to say that you don't need to bring to belong. You don't need to bring anything to belong to this Jesus club. Jesus has basically flipped everything on the head, hasn't he? You know, there's no initiation process. There's no financial contribution, no special skills, no distinguished heritage, no distinguishing status. To belong, we bring nothing. We don't need to bring anything to belong. So I received Jesus when I was a child which makes this passage quite special to me. <clears throat> so I was seven years old and I was at a Christian conference and um, they actually you know, asked us just to open our hands if we would like to receive Jesus, you know, to be part of this exciting adventure they were telling us about. And, you know, I, I had been brought up a Christian and um, I was starting to understand things and I thought, oh yeah, great, okay, I'll stand here. And then they said, oh, does anyone want to have the gift of tongues? And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but yeah, I'll just open my hands anyway. Um, so I started speaking um, in Afrikaans, which um, my parents are South African, so I can speak Afrikaans. I thought it would, you know, be quite fun to try that. And then uh, <laughs> next thing I knew, I I um, was just completely bowled over by the presence of God. Um, and it, it sounds a bit crazy, but I was just on the floor for a good two hours. This young seven-year-old girl didn't really know what was going on. Obviously, a few people were a bit worried when I didn't really come to for a while. But during that time, and I remember, it, I do remember it really vividly, I had a really clear picture of Jesus taking my hand, essentially, and um, I still remember it now. And it was funny, my mum was obviously a bit concerned why I hadn't come home to the caravan and I actually couldn't walk, they had to carry me home. And, you know, and none of that was, you know, adult at all. It was very childlike. <laughs> I was just given over to the situation and 
Um, I, I, want, I, I didn't come with questions. I didn't really even come with um, understanding anything. I just brought myself empty-handed there as a child. And, you know, that really is one of those heaven and earth coming together moments when you experience God's power like that. That It's just so amazing when those moments happen, when there's no inhibitions and you just feel like you're dependent on God and you can receive like that. And those are the kinds of moments that, you know, we see Jesus doing, don't we, when he's healing people and um, we're seeing incredible encounters with him. That's what we're talking about, that heaven and earth moment coming together. And, you know, I hadn't, I mean, obviously I've been going to church with my parents, but, you know, that didn't, that didn't give me any credentials in that moment or knowing my Bible really well, because to be honest with you, I was always a bit lazy with that when I was a child. And then, you know, I was just there, open, and, and the Spirit filled me, and it's been a life-changing moment for me. I didn't really know what I was doing, did I? You know, and kids are probably the most open of all of us, aren't they? I mean, we saw them here at the front this morning, and especially the younger ones are just, they don't care what we're all thinking of them. They definitely don't care because I've always got hit by a banner. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we don't need, you know, they don't need to bring anything, do they? They know that. They just come to the party empty-handed. It's like if you go to a party, you know, we're all like, oh, what can I bring? What can I bring? Kids don't do that, do they? They just, they just come to the party. Um, and they take. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I love my children. Okay. So... What does that mean for us now? So what do we need to do to respond? Well, I believe the answer is in Jesus' response to the rich man, which is in verse 21. He asked Jesus, how do I belong? And I'm pretty sure he thinks, you know, he has what it takes to belong. And yet Jesus' response is this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. So what is the one thing that the rich man lacked? I think the one thing the rich man lacked was empty hands. I think the one thing that he lacked was empty hands. He had his hands full of lots of stuff. You know, he was depending on all the things that he possessed, all the things that he had in his hands, all the things that he had that meant he was able to get in, able to impress Jesus. And remember Jesus' words in verse 15. He says, he says to the children, or he says to the crowd, when responding to the children, he says, we need to receive the kingdom of God like children. We need to receive the kingdom of God like children. It's impossible to receive, he says, if our hands are full with other stuff. It's impossible to receive the kingdom of God if we don't come to him like children, saying to him that we depend on him. You know, and for the rich man, that was money. So he was really dependent on his money. He had, um, you know, he had everything he needed in a worldly sense to get on and to get by and to buy the things that he needed. Um, you know, for the religious, it was the moral high ground. You know, they had all um, the facts, all the things they needed to know to get in. For the powerful, it was status. They knew that they had that status and that felt like they could get in. But what is it for us? Because we're all going to have different things. What is it that we're bringing to Jesus that we think qualifies us to get into the club? What is it that we're bringing to Jesus that we think qualifies us to get in the club? And it may be as simple as, oh, we think we're really gifted. We think we've worked really hard on our spiritual gifts and, you know, that means that we get in. 
it's because of that. Or we may think that our experience, we've been a Christian a long time, and we think, oh yeah, if I've been a Christian a long time, that must mean that I get in. Maybe our status in a similar way to what I was saying. Maybe our knowledge, we have a really good knowledge of the Bible and we can, you know, rattle it around and we think that's the thing that gets us in. That's the thing that helps us to receive. We may think, oh, wow, I've got a really good success rate in prayer. That gets me in. I see loads of healings. But anyway, because, you know, whatever it is, Jesus really is asking us to drop it. He's asking us to come with empty hands. And some of you may think, oh, well, no, none of these things apply to me. You know, I'm just, I know I have my empty hands. I have such empty hands. I'm just ready to receive. But, you know, because I don't know any of that Christian stuff. I'm, you know, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to read the Bible. You know, spiritual gifts, what are they? Speaking in tongues? What? Um, You know, so you're almost, you think you're bringing nothing, but actually you are bringing something because you're bringing something which is, you know, quite deep. It's that sense of inadequacy that actually I'm not good enough. You're bringing that to Jesus. You're saying, I don't think I'm good enough to receive. I don't think I'm good enough to be intimate with you. I don't think I'm good enough to respond to this because I don't know anything. But you're bringing your fear. You're bringing your um, insignificance for some self-hatred. We all have stuff in our hands. You know, and many of us do feel like we don't deserve, that's the other thing, deserve to be part of the Jesus Club And I love that, Jesus Club. And to those of us in that place, this childlike analogy is so powerful, isn't it? Because when you think of children, they know that so well. They, you know, they're just unashamed. They just come as they are, you know, and they're just willing to open their hands and receive a gift. You know, if you've ever seen a child at the end of a birthday party, they really do not care about when to open the presents, what's the proper time. They just open the presents. The presents are there. They just go for it, you know, Adults were like, oh, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have brought me a gift. No, it's fine. You can take it back. You can take it back. We're not good at receiving gifts, are we, as adults? Where, again, I think God uses this analogy of children and uses the children in this way because they're so good at receiving. They're so good coming free, and they're so good at receiving freely. Kids are just awesome. And I think Jesus wants us to be reminded of that when we're thinking about our faith. So before I finish... um, What will happen if we empty our hands? Well, once our hands are empty, we would have more room, wouldn't we, to receive? We'd have more room to receive what Jesus is offering. And what is he offering, is the next question. Well, the clue is in what Mark tells us before Jesus gives the rich man the instruction to sell everything he owns. He says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And the Greek word um, here for love is agape, and there's lots of different meanings of love um, when we see it in the Bible, but this one is unconditional love, divine, unconditional love. And unconditional means you don't need to earn it. You don't need to perform, you can just receive it. Unconditional love. And that's why Jesus says in verse 27, and it's a well-known verse, but I love that it's in the context of children, and actually being able to receive the kingdom of God. Because Jesus says that with man, this is impossible. It's impossible to receive the kingdom of God like a child. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So he's saying we really need help with this one. <laughs> and so here's the point. Jesus is saying we don't need to depend on what's in our hands. And we don't need to be ashamed of what's not in our hands. He's saying, I'm the one who qualifies you. 
And on the cross, I am the one who earned everything so that you don't need to earn it, basically. And you can belong and you can receive the most incredible gift of unconditional love without bringing absolutely anything to the table in your own strength. And it says in the Gospel of Mark that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him can belong to heaven. So I, um, I often think back to that experience I had as a child and um, it's just so obvious to me that it would be great to be like that all the time, so open to receive. But it's not. <laughs> you know, I, I'm experienced now. I've seen people not get healed. I've seen things go wrong. I've been hurt by people. And, you know, that childlike faith I had then is challenged daily for all of us. So I don't think me saying we all got to empty our hands and receive afresh is just something for today. I think this is a rhythm that we all get into and that we should try to get into daily, that thing of emptying, giving God the stuff that we think gives us the credentials to be with him and then receive again. And that thing of being fully dependent on him isn't, isn't easy to be dependent like children because we've grown you know, to experience things and we've grown to understand that you can't depend on people. But what he's saying is that with his strength, Anything is impossible with God. So I think if we were able to empty our hands and receive daily, I think quite simply our faith would become a little bit more childlike and not childish. I think we're so quick to kind of talk about children being childish, but childlike is a whole other thing. And I think we'd feel a bit less burdened. I think we'd feel a bit less burdened about the weight of life. I think we'd have more fun. And church and God is fun and our relationship with him and I think we'd experience more freedom and I think we'd find trusting in God um, much easier and I think we'd see more of those breakthroughs that Tally was talking about I think if we could empty ourselves more and receive like children I think we'd have that childlike faith more and we'd see more breakthroughs because we wouldn't care so much about what everyone else was thinking kids are really good at that and I think we'd have that fullness of life thing that we all would so love to have and that we hear um, Jesus talking about, that we can have fullness of life in him and in relationship with him, that connection with him. So we're going to have an opportunity now just to stand and respond to what I've said. So why don't we all stand together? And you may want to just close your eyes um, so you're not distracted. For those who are New today, and this is just what we do at the end of our talks, we give space to respond because we believe that obviously the person speaking can speak, but that's not really the point. The point is how we respond and what we do on the way out of here, really. And God wants to meet with each of us. So you may want to open your hands, nothing fancy about that, just, just like saying you're open, and especially in the context of our talk today about coming with nothing, coming open-handed, it may help you. So just come, Holy Spirit. We just thank you for space now. We've got time. Thank you for your incredible word. Thank you that your word speaks directly to us. And thank you that each of us here will need to hear something different this morning. So we just come as we are. So what is it that you're bringing to God this morning? 
Are you bringing him your good deeds? Are you bringing him how long you've been a Christian? Are you bringing him your fear, your inadequacy? What is it you're bringing him that makes you think that you deserve his love, that unconditional love? Because he just loves you as you are. You don't need to do any of that stuff or feel any of those things. And I think it's good just to take a moment now to just ask forgiveness. Like in any relationship, when there's been distance or something's happened, you ask forgiveness so that you can come back into unity again, come back into good relationships. So you may want to just ask God forgiveness for a particular instance where you've believed a lie, where you've been carrying something which you know God doesn't want you to carry. And I think so often when we ask for forgiveness, we then just stop there. But I think forgiveness needs to be received. It's, it's another thing we, we receive and we, we thank God for it. We thank him for his grace and his unmerited favor, that unconditional love that we can receive. So just receive that now. It's done. And now we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you will fill us afresh, that you will give us that gift, that our hands will be open now to receive that gift. It's just a picture of almost a giant present being handed to us, that gift of unconditional love, that love that does not need to be earned. We don't need to come with our credentials, even with fancy words. He wants to give it to us. He wants to give it to us. He wants us to know that we can come like children, open-handed to receive. So just come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for each person here. as you know if you if you feel like you're receiving it just enjoy enjoy the fact that that God believes in you and sees you and there may be people here this morning who have never actually done this so they're like what is going on here I've got my hands open and you've never ever received Jesus into your life and you would absolutely love to and it may feel a bit scary that thought but if that is you everyone's got their eyes closed you may just want to raise your hand so that I know because I'd love to pray for you thank you thank you for being brave so if that was you and you lifted your hand I'm just going to pray a prayer and As we all stand here with our hands open, those of you who have already received it, just receive it again. And you may want to repeat it in your head. So, Father God, I receive your grace, 
your unmerited favor. Thank you that you have chosen me. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for what you did to earn everything for me so that I didn't have to. And I receive that gift. Thank you that you were resurrected and that you were alive in me. I receive you now, Jesus, into my life. Warts and all, I come to you as I am. And I receive you now. Amen. Thank you for being brave, those who did that. And we would love to pray for you again. Um, so I think it would be good. Um, Lucy, do you mind just tingling in the background? Um, we always have an opportunity at the end of our services, as Chris was saying, to respond. I think there's a few things to respond to. And coming up to the front, really, as Ben always says, isn't a fancy thing. It's just because there's space. Um, so it's not anything um, special. It's just a way of people praying for you. And if God has been speaking to you this morning, come up for prayer. What I say may not be the thing you want to come up for prayer for, but I do think if you have just responded to meeting Jesus for the first time, I would love to pray for you. If you feel what I was saying, you feel like, actually, I've always been an outsider just looking in. I've never felt like I've received um, it or I've never felt ready to. I've just been looking and just been coming to church, kind of just standing on the outside. We would love to pray for you. I think all of us could be more dependent on God. So really, if you feel like you have a bit of time for prayer, I think all of us could, could come forward and receive, again, that childlike faith to depend on God, all of us could do that. So if, if you feel particularly moved, please come and receive prayer because receiving unconditional love, like I said, is a daily thing. It's something we can do daily. But um, yeah, I would love to invite the ministry team to come forward um, and please just push out of the rows, come out the rows and come forward to receive prayer.